Well, hey, are you ready to wrap up Soul Detox? That, that was a question. Yeah. Honestly, I'm not. This is one of my favorite series. We, we did this about two and a half, three years ago, different topics. And about two to three years now, we'll do it again. Because it, it hits right where we live, where God is showing us that often there are things that we bring into our lives or things that we allow into us that, that really cause a separation, not from God's love, but from the activity and the power of God being more evident in our lives. And that, that's what we've really been talking about. And, and we've been focusing it around a scripture that, that was really written to the church in, in 1 Corinthians. In fact, it'll be on the screen this morning. You don't need to turn there. It was kind of the, the original setup of this. And I want to go through it again because today we are wrapping up this series. And in 2 Corinthians 6, Paul was writing to the church at Corinth, and he said, do not be yoked together with unbelievers. Now, in our day, we don't use the word yoke very much, do we? In fact, if we do, it's, it's a different kind of a yoke, and it's a yolk with an L in it, which would be the center of an egg. But a yoke was very important in their understanding of that day. And, and I want you to get this image because it's very, very critical for what I'm going to teach you on this morning. When he says, don't be yoked together, you may remember that Jesus uh, made a promise in, in Matthew when he said, come to me, all that are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And he said, he said, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. And, and the imagery is, if, if you can picture a farm and maybe an old uh, agrarian setting, maybe back in an Amish kind of picture, depending on your history knowledge, and, and you can picture some guy out there walking behind two big old oxen or two big old cows, and, and they are literally yoked together. There's a piece of equipment that ties them together because together they're better, together they're stronger, together they're able to accomplish more. But if one of those oxen or cows or people decides they want to start going in a different direction than the other one, how many know they get very inefficient very quickly? If one wants to slow down, the other wants to speed up, it causes this conflict, it causes this, uh, this friction to where now they're not able to do all the things that they were created to do. So Paul says, don't be yoked together with unbelievers. He's talking about this attachment, this closeness. He says, look, you are in the world as believers, but we're not of this world. There's a different path that God has called us to walk on. And then he asks a series of questions, and each one the answer is nothing. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? And what harmony is there between Christ and Belial? Remember, Belial is just another name for a demon spirit or the devil. What does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? And what agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. Again, God does not live in buildings. Shake your head, yes, we, we got this. God lives in us. And this whole series is about not this physical temple because the physical temple, the body, is going to perish. And yet we spend so much time taking care of the body, what we put in it, what we eat, what we exercise and all that. But yet we neglect so often the eternal part of us, which is our soul, our spirit. And Paul says, look, God wants to come and dwell in us. And he has said, I will live with them and walk among them. I'll be their God and they will be my people. Therefore, come out from them and be separate, says the Lord. In other words, he's saying, I want my presence to be apparent in a greater way in your life. I want my presence to be in a, in a greater way in your family or in your career or in your, in your studies. I want to be so evident there's no doubt whose you are. But, he said, if that's the case, you need to come out from them and be separate, says the Lord. Touch no unclean thing and I'll receive you and I'll be a father to you. You'll be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. And since we have these promises, dear friends, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. 
I said it early in this series, but I want to reemphasize it in this moment. When we come to Jesus Christ and we accept him as our Lord and Savior, how much of our sin has he forgiven? All of it, right? In that moment, the Word of God says we are perfected in the righteousness of Christ. In other words, when God sees us in that moment, He doesn't see us in the sinfulness of our past. He sees us through the perfection of His Son. And we have this great theological term for that, and we call it justification. And justification is one of those things I remember as a, as a kid being taught this. It was really easy to remember because it means that God sees me just as if I had not sinned. So in other words, I enter in this relationship, and I've got a, man, I've got a clean slate. I'm walking in the presence and the beauty of God. And he says, that's my gift to you. And when we are saved, nothing is going to take that away from us. Nothing's going to mess with that salvation. But as we begin to walk out our salvation, he says there are some things that we need to purify ourselves from. In other words, there are some choices we need to make as to how much of our lives we're going to open up to God and how much we're going to try to do it our way. And that's, that's really the sanctification process, to use a good theological term. That means that God is moving us from glory to glory, as we sang. But in there, there's choices we make that either kind of push God's power a little bit away or, or brings it to ourselves. Not that it changes our salvation, but it changes how much of God is, is seen in us. So this series is all about that purification. It's all about that removal of toxic substances so that we are no longer contaminated by things that aren't really good for us. Now, just as a review, they're not going to be up on the screen. But we talked about things like doubt. It, it's hard to say God is, God is going to work in my life completely when I'm doubting whether he really is God or not or whether he can or not. And that's why Paul said to the Hebrews, he said, listen, if you're going to have faith, you've got to believe that he exists and he rewards those who diligently seek him. We go after God. We, we go after him with our lives. We talked about negativity. How many know there, there, we live in a negative time? Can we, we all agree with that. But yet... Paul said to the church at Ephesus, look, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. Only that which builds up others, only that which encourages others according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And we said we've got to get that negativity out of ourselves because when we're, when we're caught up in the negative culture, what happens is this. Our witness is totally eroded because we're no different than anybody else. Everything's bad. We serve a good God. And his goodness can be seen even brighter in the darker days. So it's not that we live in a bad time. We live in a time I think is awesome. We need to be out there expressing the love of Christ. We talked about the, uh, purifying ourselves of known sin. Listen, it's not, again, getting re-saved. I want you all to hear this clearly. It's not about, oh, I sinned. Now I need to go get saved again. No, when we know we've sinned, we just need to repent. And repent's a great word because it means I'm trusting God to help me go a different direction because I've missed the mark. So much so that in 1 John, we're told if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So we started out the series talking about those things. And then we talked about the negative interplaylist. My goodness, I had more comments and emails and questions about that than anything else because we all get it. We all realize that there's a playlist that goes on in our heads that has been shaped, some of us, from the time we were born. And it's either good or it's bad. And we've got to recognize that God has given us the power not only to take hold of our thoughts, but to capture them and to bring them up against the knowledge of Christ. And when we find the thoughts that are not of God, we have the power and the ability through the name of Jesus to break those strongholds and no longer be controlled by them. That's a good place to say praise God right there. Because that's huge. If we don't get that right, everything else kind of falls apart. 
I, I shared about the influence of stuff. That was a really quiet day because I was messing with you. Uh, but it's just where we live. People don't like messing with their stuff. But can I tell you again, God does not mind us having stuff. He just does not like the fact when stuff has us. When we are controlled by the things of this world and the material things around us. And Pastor Chad did a great job last week uh, talking about fear. And, and, and you know how God did not create us to live in fear. He said, I didn't give you a timid spirit. I didn't give you the spirit of fear. I gave you a, a, a sound mind. I gave you the, a love and self-discipline. And these are all things that we just have to really recognize have a contaminating effect if we don't deal with them. But this morning, what if I told you that one of the greatest things that can have a negative effect on that, on that access to God's power is actually other people? One of the greatest toxins we have to know what to do with in our lives so often is actually other people in our lives. It's relationships. It's friendships. It's commonality, things that, 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 that make us who we are. You see, I want to speak on a toxin that honestly, in my opinion, has more power over our lives than we care to admit. And that is the power of relationship, the power of friendships. You see, I want to talk about this morning is this aspect of, of the effect that those that are closest to us have on our lives, whether we call them friends, boyfriends, girlfriends, uh, parents, adults, people in church, coworkers, family, whatever you call them, those that are closest to you have great power to impact your lives. And that's why we can honestly say, according to God's word, that the Bible says it's very clear that friends are actually a great gift to our lives. Can you, how many have some good friends in your life? You know they're, they're good for you, right? In fact, the, the, the writer of Ecclesiastes, and we usually read this at weddings, but Ecclesiastes 4, 9, verse 10 says, two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. If one falls down, his friend can help him up. But pity the man who falls down, who falls and has no one to help him up. So there's this great value of friendship. But can I tell you, just as much as friends can be a gift from God, they can also be a curse from hell. Because they have such a powerful impact over our lives. I mean, for many of you this morning, you could testify. If we got the mic in front of you, say, tell us some of your greatest memories. Who are you spending them with? Many of you can say, oh, they're my friends. There are people I loved, I enjoyed being around, but at the same time, I said, tell us about some of your greatest regrets. Who were you with? <laughs> I got the same response at first, like, oh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's often those that are closest to us. Now, the reason why is there's power there. Because no matter what stage of life you're in, hear me this morning. This is not for, oh, this is a good message for our kids. No, this is for us. No matter what stage of life you are in, your friends have a great influence and can determine the direction and the quality of your life. Because relationship is what God created us to desire. Relationship is what God created us to need. In fact, when I was a youth pastor back in the day, like Justin, those old pictures, I, you know, I used to tell him, I said, you show me your friends, I can show you your destiny. You show me you're hanging out with, and I can show you the direction your life is going to take. Because at some point in life, we're all going to find ourselves in unavoidable close proximity with people whose lives are going in the opposite direction that God wants our life to go in. It's unavoidable. We live in this world. We are, we're relational people. And, and if we're not careful, we can get into relationships that are toxic, that are not drawing them or us closer to God, but actually leading us far from His presence. My experience, there's really three types of people that I, I have found that I, I consider toxic. You can write these down. Just don't elbow your neighbor if you're sitting by one of these this morning because they are in the church as much as they are in the world. But I think there's three types of general toxic people on this earth. The first one's what I, what I call chronic critics. Chronic critics. 
Don't you love a chronic critic? Why'd you wear your hair that way? Who, who told you that looked good on you? Why, why, why'd you go to that school? Why are you hanging out with that person? It, it can just drive even the most positive soul to a place of negativity that pulls them down where they just feel like life is out of control. And that's the second group. It's not just chronic critics, but it's controllers. Controllers. They're overbearing, forcing their way and their opinions upon you regardless of your will. And before you know it, you lose who you are because of your desire to be accepted that you allow a controller to control your life. We see this in marriages. Where a person has to lay down their identity in order to be married. That's not God's plan. God created you unique. Do you know that? God created you with great value, great, great picture of who he is. And he nowhere in our lives says he wants us to lay down who he created us to be just to fit in. But we've got to watch out for a controlling spirit. Then the third group are tempters. <laughs> They're a lot of fun, but they always get you in trouble. Do you ever notice that? Hey, try it. It's no big deal. And then you go out and try it, and it's a big deal. Because they encourage you to do stuff you know you shouldn't do, and you end up regretting doing it in the first place. Now, let's just be clear. These are not horrible people. These, these are people we deal with all the time. These are people that God loves. But can I tell you, they're going the wrong direction. And as followers of Jesus Christ, we have to recognize when a relationship is toxic. Because here's the challenge this morning. God does not give you and I permission to build a walled city around ourselves and say, God, we're going to serve you, but we're going to sit in the safe place and not let the world touch us and not have any impact on anybody else's life. No, he didn't let us do that. He says we're going to go into all the world, teach the gospel, let people know there is a Savior who gave us his life. His, son, his name is Jesus Christ. And to do that, we've got to learn to work within relationships, even though they may be toxic. So what I want to help you to do today is this, is understand how to minister to hurting people without yourself getting damaged in the process, okay? How do, I, how do I help and relate to toxic people without yourself being, being damaged in the process? You know, as parents, we get this. My, my parents got this. It drove me nuts. It's like, who are you hanging out with? Where are you going? What time are you going to be home? What's taking? See, parents have not changed. Some of y'all are getting They've not changed. Now, remember, I was raised pre-cell phone days. They had no clue where I was. There was no thing as GPS. It just wasn't there. You know what they had? They had, a parent, they had a parent network is what they had. I grew up in a little, little farm in town of 2,000 people. Everyone knew me. I could get away with nothing. But they, they knew where we were because they understood a principle. In fact, I honestly believe my parents would have chosen who we married. Not that they didn't agree with Denise, but, I mean, I think they, they wanted that much control in our life. <laughs> yeah. This is really funny. My dad was the deacon that served on her dad's pastor's board back in the day, and Somehow they still let us get together and get married. So anyway, it's just I think they would have controlled everything because they realized the power of relationships. They realized the power of who was influencing your life because when you think about it, friendship is all about acceptance, isn't it? We all want to be accepted, don't we? We all want to be known for who we are. We don't have to put on a false front. This is who I am, and I want you to accept me in that. But when I find acceptance, I'm also giving up influence. I'm saying, if you accept me, then I'll let you speak into my life. I'll let you guide my life. And, and what takes place is if we are letting the, the wrong relationships guide our lives, and here we are, God's saying, I want more presence in you. I want more of my power effective in you. But yet, you're, you're walking in the way that's opposite of the way I created you to walk in. And that's what makes friendship so great, and that's what makes friendship so dangerous. I mean, think about it. I, I hope that's none of you here, but if you've ever been caught up in an addictive behavior, 
I guarantee you didn't start that by yourself, okay? For those I know that have been addicted to nicotine or whatever, they just wake up one day and say, I think I'm going to go out back and smoke a cigarette. No, they, they were with their friends. Someone said, hey, try this, and that's where they went, right? Because there's this power of acceptance. You see it played out. I see it played out here all the time. Charlotte is a wonderful place to move to, right? We come from all over the nation, all over the world. It's a wonderful place. But I see it a lot in singles where they, they move to the city, they got a relationship with God, but they find out real fast, we're in a city, there's a lot of people, and everybody thinks a lot of people means you're never alone, but it's actually very lonely. And because of that, and the desire for relationship, the desire to be brought into something that helps them find their, themselves, they, they, not wanting to be alone, they, they now find themselves hanging with people and doing things they used to criticize and say they would never do just to be accepted. I, I, see it in, I see it in college, not to pick on our college students today, but I grew up in a college town the last part of my, from 15 on I was in a college town and uh, went to that university and I, I would see it all the time as the parents would show up here, go to church, parents leave, they stop going to church and, and basically a lot of young people would come in and they'd be on fire for Jesus at orientation and then all of a sudden the need to fit in, the need to have relationships, the need to have friendships, all of a sudden compromising relationships form and it takes them down a path they never intended to go. Again, not, not something you plan out, not something you say, this is what I'm going to do, but it's just the nature of humanity. We are people that want acceptance and we want relationship. Listen, I have seen tragically over the years numerous marriages ruined over one of the spouse's friends. I've seen divorces happen. I've seen broken families because one, one part of the, of the two would not give up a toxic relationship that was actually destroying their, their marriage. I've seen the destinies of young men and women ruined because they're influence of friends. One just got out of prison last week, 20 years. 20 years. Because he ran with the wrong crowd. And when something went down, they decided to blame it all on him. It never was proven he did it, but all the friends turned on him because he was running with a crowd that was going the opposite way of what God wanted for him. How many know 20 years is a long, long part of your life? Friends are important. Relationships are important. Here, here's the positive things. I don't want this like, man, we're beating up everybody. The positive thing is most of us that came to know Christ came to know Christ through what? A friend. We even have a term for that. We're called led to the Lord because people lead us. We got invited to go to church. We got invited to know about Christ because, again, there's this power of acceptance. So how do we do this? So how do we, how do we minister in a world where there's so much toxic relationships how do we do it without, without getting off track ourselves? Two things. One is we need to learn to recognize when a relationship is toxic. We're going to talk about that first. And then secondly, we're going to talk about setting boundaries, all right? So Proverbs, Solomon, the wisest man according to the Bible of all time, made a statement that I have a hard time reading. I'll explain it to you in a moment. Proverbs 13, verse 20. He says, he who walks with the wise does what? Talk to me. Grows wise, all right? But a companion of fools suffers what? Harm. Now, I have a hard time reading this because Jesus said never call anybody a fool, and I'm going to talk a lot about fools this morning. So uh, I think he gives me room for that today, okay? So he said it, all right? He who walks with the wise grows wise, but a companion of fools suffers harms. It's a promise. He says if you want wisdom, it's contagious. You walk with people who are wise. And you pick up good things out of their lives, and it benefits you because you're walking in a path that God intended you to walk. He said, but a companion of fools, on the other hand, is going to walk opposite of the direction that God wants, and ultimately, it's going to lead to your harm. Here's the difference between a wise person and a fool. A wise person sees that everything in life is connected. 
there, there are no disconnected relationships. There are no disconnected events. There's no isolated patterns of life. It's all connected. Everything we do impacts our future, impacts our people that we love, impacts the world around us. And the wise person makes decisions today looking toward its impact tomorrow. They, they realize the choice I make now is going to have an impact down the road. So they, they see life as connected. And, and here, Solomon is giving this warning, and he's saying, look, if you walk with the wise, you're going to gain from their wisdom. But if you're a companion of fools, he doesn't say you're going to become a fool. He says you will be harmed in that relationship. You see, the warning is simply this, that the companion of fools is a person who is eventually going to be impacted by the behavior of the foolish person. They're going to be, eventually be caught up in the backwash of the sinfulness and bad choices that someone else makes. I've had people defend wrong relationships to me. Oh, pastor, they're fun. They're just great to be around. And after all, you know I'm not going to participate in all that stuff. You know I'm not going to go out. I just want to go hang out. But the warning is, according to the Scripture, you will be affected by their behavior. Because a fool is a person who, who knows the difference between right and wrong, but just flat doesn't care. They just don't care because they see life as disconnected. It doesn't matter what I do today because it has no impact on tomorrow. It doesn't matter how I treat you because, again, it has no impact on tomorrow. But the Bible says that they just don't care. So much so, the Bible says in Proverbs, don't even try to correct a fool because they just don't care. They, they live in such a way that, that though it appears fun, it eventually leads to hurt to those that are closest to them because if they do not care about their own reputation, guess what? They don't care about yours either. We recognize that. And Paul says we've got we to pull back. We've got we to find this healthy boundary because God has called us to minister to them, but he's called us not to walk with the fool. You see, to rephrase Proverbs, it says simply this, the companion of those who could care less get hurt, but those who walk with the wise grow in their wisdom. In fact, as I'm talking about this right now, some of you have faces in your mind right now. You're picturing people or you're remembering relationships or you may be sitting next to them. I don't know. But what do we do? How do we deal with this? Because if I'm going to be what the Word says, and that is I'm salt and light, guess what? Salt has no power unless it is connected. Light has no power unless it is close. So if we're going to be salt and light, if we're going to be witnesses to the world, then we've got to learn how to work in a world that's full of toxic relationships. Are you ready? Are we good? Y'all like got really quiet. I think y'all are a little spinning like, yeah, there's the regrets. No, just, so how do we... Um, how do we do this? First thing is, we've got to learn to recognize a toxic relationship. And please forgive me because it was late last night, and if I spelled toxicity wrong, it's probably true. Uh, but <laughs> I'm going to give you four ways to recognize a toxic relationship, all right? You might want to write these down. There's connect cards there. Or take them on your notes and you version. But write these down. Toxicity. So how do I know a relationship is toxic? How do I know that if folks I'm running with may be running in a wrong direction? First one is this. God has given us by his Holy Spirit, I'm speaking to believers, the moment you are saved, the Holy Spirit comes to dwell in us. What is his job? His job is to point us to Christ, right? His job is to convict us of sin. His job is to lead and guide us. I, I always do it like the Holy Spirit is the one who directs me, cor corrects me, protects me, and perfects me. He's got a big job. He's on it all the time. But that's every one of us. So, so here when I say conscience, when I'm speaking to the believer, I'm saying something inside of you. The Holy Spirit's like warning, warning, warning. Here it goes. There's a warning that your conscience should light up when your core group is not moving in the direction you want your life to go. So, so you know God's called you this way, but everyone you're hanging out with is going that way. 
there ought to be a warning to say, I've got some choices to make here. I've got some decisions to make here because I want to go down the path that leads to life, but there's a path that also leads to death. Because when there's this close proximity, there is influence because, again, there is acceptance. And that's why it's so critical at Hope. We believe one of your greatest steps toward discipleship is relationships with other believers because iron does sharpen iron according to God's word. And this fall, we're going to be rolling out community groups again. I'm excited about that because, again, no matter how strong you think you are, the companion of fools will eventually be harmed by their behavior. Second warning. Your conscience, something inside of you, should light up when you realize that you are not being true to who you are when you are with them. Can I tell you, if you have to pretend to fit in, they're not friends. And they're not people that are helping you become what Christ called you to be. If I have to pretend to hang out with you, basically what I'm saying is, I'm laying down God's wonderful creation and saying, you know what, it really doesn't matter. I just want to be accepted. And what I'm doing is I'm setting myself up for harm because now I'm walking uh, in, the, in the company of fools. And, and you know, honestly, some, some of you have been warned about this. You, you hear, some of you in your marriages, you hear this, where you hear this like, honey, you know, every time you hang out with those guys and you come home, man, you're just a, you're a little edgier. You're, you're not, not as kind as you should be. Or, you know, you, you hear these kind of statements because others see it quicker than we see it. Ladies, you, you've experienced this where, where, you know, a friend says, you know what, when you come back from that girls' weekend, you're just not yourself. You're just not yourself. What's happened? You've laid down your identity to fit in, and now you've forgotten who God created you to be, and now you're going in the wrong direction. And what's happening is simply this. When you notice it, that you're not yourself, then this friend, this fiancé, this girlfriend, whomever, they are playing to an insecurity in you that says that you are willing to lay down your identity just to fit in with them. And yet God did not call us to do that. He wants to use the uniqueness of you to reveal the uniqueness of him to other people. But we don't do that when we lay down our identity. So a companion of a fool will be harmed by their behavior. Third warning. Your conscience should light up when you feel pressured to compromise. Your conscience should light up when you feel pressured to compromise. When something that has never been a temptation you becomes an option, or when you start justifying a behavior that you've always stayed away from just to fit in, can I tell you, warning signs and whistles should be going all off in your spirit because now you're walking a path that God never intended you to walk. Some of you will say, well, again, Pastor, I, they're just fun. I don't, and I'm not going to participate. I'm not going to dive in and do the things. that We're just going to hang out. And Solomon would say, you're missing the point. It's not about you choosing to behave like them. It's the fact that you're going to get caught in the backwash of their behavior. If something's going to happen that's going to change you, it's going to affect you because of their choices. Because a companion of fool will suffer harm. And if you can't be true to yourself, listen carefully. If you can't be true to yourself as a follower of Christ, you're not strong enough to overcome the temptation. You're just not. Because your desire to fit in is stronger than your desire to please God. And that's a toxic place. Boy, it got quiet in here. Whew. There was a man in the Bible called Samson. Come on, everybody knows Samson, right? Anybody know the story of Samson? Reader's Digest version. Samson was a big dude. He was, a, he was a Nazarite by birth. God had a special anointing on him. He got to never cut his hair. That was kind of crazy. But uh, didn't drink wine. All these kind of special things because God was going to use him specifically. But Samson had a problem. He liked Delilah. That's why you don't meet many girls named Delilah these days. You notice that? If you do, guys, run. <laughs> Either their parents had no biblical understanding. We'll give her a break, okay? But he met Delilah. And he wanted to, he wanted to, he wanted to, he wanted to have Delilah. Let's just put it that way, okay? And, uh. He wanted so much 
never in his life that he was willing to lay down his identity before Christ. He was willing to compromise the very things he'd been taught to stay away from. He was willing to give it all up. Why? Because he wanted to fit in. He wanted that relationship more than he wanted what God's promise was in his life. And Samson ultimately lost his life, his anointing, his effect, and his power on earth because he chose to fit in rather than to follow God. And it gives us this lesson, and I I write it this way, and that is when you compromise, you're going to go places you shouldn't go. And you're going to see things you shouldn't see, and you're going you're gonna to do some things you shouldn't do. But can I tell you, the ultimate outcome is you're going to lose some things you can't afford to lose. That's just true. Amen. Preach it, Mike. That's awesome. Because it's true. Compromise, if we have to compromise to fit in, can I tell you, we don't need that relationship because it is toxic, and it's going to lead us away from God. Last one, and this is the, the one for, for many that, that I think kind of lights it up, and that is your conscience should light up when you hope that those who care about you the most don't find out where you have been or who you've been with. That's not good. Well, I swear, honey, we just went there because we like the wings. Yeah, right. <laughs> Yeah, right. Not cool. Not cool at all. One of my earliest marital counseling at Hope was a young couple that got married, and they've moved away. They're funny. They laugh about it now, but he came out of a life that was just different, got saved. They got married and goes, and, and he couldn't figure out why he, she had a problem with the fact he always went to the strip club with the guys when he, on the way home from work. He's like, that's what I always did. I'm like, idiot, come on. It's, what's wrong with you? Because it's... You think a little bit here, you know. Uh, it, it's not going to help your marriage, so to speak. So when you have to defend anything, you do. But when something causes you to create a defense, you're not walking with wise. When you have to hide who you're hanging out with, it's not wise. It's going to lead to harm because now you're walking in the path I'm going to give you a marriage tip. Not that everybody's married here. We're starting a relationship series next week. Doesn't matter if you're single, married, it's going to help you. But a marriage tip that was given to me when, when Denise and I first got married, all right, many, many, many years ago. We're getting on 33 this summer. But I'd started, how many, I always forget to tell me, I've, I've not always been a pastor, okay? <laughs> I, I was in the corporate world, uh, great company, moving up fast, all that crazy dog-eat-dog kind of world. And, and, and I, a partner took an interest in me in the very beginning, and he sat me down one day and said, son, you're one of the few married people here, which I was. Most everybody was still single because that was that career time where you're just trying to go for it, but we got married. I, I, we got married young. We got married, and um, he said, here's, here's a tip. It's going to save you a lot of grief. Never let those who are closest to you, never let your spouse have to wonder about where you are. Now, remember, this is pre-cell phone days. It costs you money to let her know where you are. Okay, it's called, self, it's called like pay phone, all right? But we made an agreement. I said, I'm never going to let you guess where I, where I am. And can I tell you, to this day, 33 years later, I still do the same. I did it this week. I had come here to meet with somebody. I was going to, to Lowe's afterwards. And, oh, I got sidetracked. I had to go to do some other errand. I'm on the phone like, hey, baby, I, I'm going to be a little bit later than I thought because, you know what, i got to go over here now. And the reason I do that is not because I'm afraid of something messed up here. I just know humanity. I know us. And I know wisdom says don't ever create a space where there doesn't need to be a space. Don't ever create a doubt where there doesn't need to be a doubt. You say, well, that sounds like a controlling thing. No, I chose that. She never asked that of me. I just love her enough that I never wanted to doubt. So you see, if we've got to change to be in a relationship, and we've got to kind of hide who we hang out with, we're in trouble. So how do we, how do we influence the loss then? 
Because it all sounds like, if we take it as it is, it all sounds like, keep away from people. Just come to church. That's all you need to do, and life will be good, right? And there are a lot of Christians that try to live that way, and they're pretty, like, creepy, judgmental Christians. But if we're really, if we're really going to impact the world, we've got to manage this tension, don't we? We've got to manage this tension that there are toxic relationships, but yet God has called us to reach out. So how do we do that? There's an old saying, and I firmly believe it, that good fences make great neighbors. Think about that. Good fences make great neighbors. You don't need everybody in your junk all the time. But I'll, I'll rephrase it. Good boundaries, good boundaries make great relationships. Good boundaries make great relationships. Can I tell you that Jesus had boundaries when it came to the people around him? Jesus had boundaries. He loved everyone equally, but he didn't treat everyone equally. He would come into a village and he would heal some, but he didn't heal everybody. He would invite some to dinner, but he didn't invite others to dinner. He had boundaries. Can I, can I tell you, he was very clear about his boundaries, in fact. He, and he loved the whole world with an amazing, unconditional love, and we're caught up in that. But he didn't select the whole world to be his close inner circle. In fact, he chose 12. And even within that 12, he would never let one of them take him off his game. He would never let one of them move his path away from what God had called him to this earth to do. One time, Peter, who was very close to him, and we celebrate Peter as this awesome apostle, but Peter got it wrong one time when Jesus told him, I'm going to Jerusalem, I'm going to die on the cross for your sin, I'm going to rise the third day, and then I'm coming back. And, and Peter said, oh, no, Lord, that is not going to happen on my watch. And, and Jesus rebuked him to the point, setting a boundary, saying so, so strongly, he said, get behind me, what? Somebody know? Satan. He called Peter Satan. How many of your friends call you Satan? Not a good idea. But he's like, get behind me, Satan. He's saying, you're not going to take me off my path. He had a boundary. He said, this is what I'm here to do. No one's going to take me away from that. We're to, we're to have friends. I encourage this. I tell you all the time, how can we minister to people if we're not in contact with people who are not like us? We, we need non-believers as friends. How do we influence? How do we share the love of Christ? There is no conflict between compassion and wisdom. There's no conflict. But you need both. You need compassion and you need wisdom. You can love, help, and care for people who are going the wrong direction, but you can do it by establishing healthy boundaries in your life. Here's the best thing you can do. Check it out. The best thing you can do for others, the best thing you can do to help others who are, who are hurting that are far from God is, is the best thing you do is, is to stay on this side of the boundary. In other words, stay on, on the God side of, of your life. Because when they crash, not if they crash, when they crash, you're healthy enough to help them. But if you live on the same side of the boundary they are, and you're caught up in the same crash, guess what? You're so unhealthy, you can't even help them up. Because now you just walked right into the harm of a fool. Some of you know how to establish boundaries. You're pretty good at it. Some of you have set it straight with your friends, your colleagues at work, your family members, your mother-in-law, all those relationships. You've been bold enough to tell some family members or some people to say, I won't let you talk to me that way. It's not going to do it. I love you in the name of Jesus, but I'm not going to let you talk to me that way. I'm not going to let you treat me that way. See, a lot of people get this all wrong, like, oh, God just wants us to be doormats and people stomp all over us in the name of Jesus. No, you're not. we're going to set a boundary right here. I love you. But this is not the way people that love each other behave. This is not the way people that love each other can care for you. This is not the way we relate to each other. So we're setting a boundary. Some of you, you've been around people that gossip. Anybody know a gossip? Don't point to them this morning. And you just stop and you say, I'm not participating in this. 
I'm not going to let you talk bad about Justin. Only pastor can do that. I'm not going to let you do that. Because I know him. He's okay. He's from West Virginia. We'll give him a break. All right. And it, it just, oh, that was good. Come on. That was good. But you, you're like, no, I'm not going to let you gossip about him. Because here's the reality. If they'll gossip with you, they'll gossip about you. You know it's true, don't you? But yet we get all caught up in that. Here's one. We had, we had to nip this in the bud in the early, early stages of Hope Church. And that's the people who are constantly putting down the opposite sex. And you're like, stop. Just because you're dating a jerk doesn't mean everybody else is a jerk. Maybe your choice of dating is not good, okay? But, I mean, you get among girls. Come on. It's just, I'm not trying to be sexist here, but girls are like, man, he's just, this is bad. My, if you knew my husband, you wouldn't date anybody. You made a bad choice, okay? Sorry. Sorry, get over it. But not every guy is your husband. Or not every girl is your spouse or your fiance or your friend. And this is wrong because what we're doing is we're putting on God's creation again instead of respecting the uniqueness of them. You can say, I have a higher opinion than you. I honor my father. This is something we had to deal with as parents. Our, our, our daughter, uh, one of her friends, it was, it was really tough in, in, in this area where we were raising our kids in the schools they went to. We made a bet one time. I said, I don't, know if you can, I don't know if you can date anybody that actually their parents are still married. Okay? And, and I could always tell when she was with one girl because her family had fallen apart, so her dad had done a bad thing, so therefore every father's bad. And every time Chloe would come home from being around her, it was like I was the jerk. And I finally had to sit her down one day and say, baby, I'm your daddy. I love your mama. I love you. I'm not going anywhere. And we had to deal with it. Because, again, we get swept up with the negativity of others, and we've got to nip, we get a boundary there and say, look, it's not happening. When I worked in the corporate world, I want to be very clear about this. Some are like, well, pastor, if you do the things that God wants you to do, you'll never be, you'll never be promoted. You know? You'll just be put down. Oh, I became quickly known as, hey, we're all going out party night except Mike. Because we know you're married, and, you know, after all, you're deadbeat, blah, 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 you know. Hey, hey, check out that babe. And, oh, that's right, you're married, you love your wife, you don't do that. Interesting enough. Yeah, I, I, I didn't get invited to a lot of stuff. Interesting enough. Guess who they came to when their, when their world blew up? The fools that went down the path with them or the guy that said, I'm going to stay on this side of the boundary? They even knew I was called to be a pastor because my, my cubicle turned into a, like a counseling office all the time. But here's the thing. Did God honor me? I was two years ahead of everybody I started with in my class. I was on a partnership path that was clearly laid out to me, and I had to walk away from it to, to say, God, I'm going to follow you. That was not a bad decision. It does not hurt you to stand for righteousness. You just may have to get up a little ridicule, but hey, have some thick skin, all right? God is the one that matters. There's no conflict between compassion and wisdom. We just have to be able to set the boundary and say, God, I want to be positioned to help people in their pain. That's really where it's at. Because to be truthful and honest this morning, if you look around you, even if you're going down a, a wrong path, and you see some people that are going down the right path, and you see the blessing in their lives, what happens? You say, I want that. You can ridicule Christian marriage all you want to, but when you see one that's doing it right, and you see the love that has developed over years, and it speaks to the love of God, there's something inside of you that says, that's better than what I see the other way. So the question is, am I going to really allow myself to recognize toxicity? Am I really going to recognize myself when I may be in relationships that are not healthy? And am I going to be able to step back and stay on the healthy side of that 
and say, I'm going to be there. I'm going to be there. I had a lot of, a lot of friends, I've, I've done that. I'm going to be here for you. I love you. I can't agree with what you're doing right now. I'm not going to stop being your friend. I'm with you. But I'm staying back here. Because someday that path you're walking on is going to lead smack up against the wall. And you need to know there's somebody there to pick you up. But if I run with you, we're both going to go down that hole. And we're not going to make it. Now hear me clearly this morning before we wrap up. I, I, want, I want to be very careful that you don't hear this this morning. I'm in a toxic relationship, so Pastor Mike said, get out. Do not run home somebody and say, hey, Pastor Mike said, I'm supposed to leave you after these years of marriage because you're bad for me. Listen, I believe in the power of God. I also believe in the power of a gun. I don't want to be shot, all right? It's not what I'm doing. In fact, writing somebody off, leaving someone, pushing away should be the last thing. It, can, it happens, and there's biblical reasons to do that, but it should be the last thing, okay? Because we're dealing with people. God has called us to the ministry of reconciliation, showing people who Christ is. So I'm not talking about the easy way out. I'm saying we have to learn to walk in the toxic nature relationship around us and hold out the words of truth by the standards we choose to live, by the choices we make. We're all pretty much adults in this room. We have adult choices to make. And can I tell you, walk with the wise. You'll be wise. That's why every one of you here needs a Christian mentor. Every young marriage needs an older Christian marriage to walk alongside of you. Every young parent needs a Christian other parent to come alongside of you. Why? Because they've gone down some paths you haven't gone down. And they may just save you from a lot of grief. Because iron does sharpen iron. Hear me again. God's standards does not mean that he does not love your boyfriend. Or that he does not love your, your fiance. Or he does not love your friends. Oh, he loves them. He loves them with an everlasting love. He, he loves them so much he sent his son to die for them. He loves them so much that he tells you, if you really want to be a friend of them, then you need to set some boundaries so, so that you're not influenced in their choice, and now you suffer harm. But yet you walk as one that is wise, that can lift them up when they fall. That's why the Bible says, do not be yoked with an unbeliever. It's very simple. You're on fire for Jesus. The word says, you don't be yoked to an unbeliever. You're going to enter a business partnership. Can I tell you? If they say they're a believer, check them out. Because two people trying to walk as one, when they're both supposedly yoked together with Christ, but one's going this way and one's going that way, guess what's going to happen? Nothing but heartbreak, tension, and anger. I still do some consulting on the side, both business consulting and church consulting. I've spent the last several years trying to help a company figure out they should not be a company because the two partners that came together should have never come together and it absolutely destroyed about five, six people's lives. Walk with the wise. You'll be wise. Become the companion of fools. You will 